Thank you for being here with us. Um, you know, uh, we're going to have a standalone message this morning. By the way, I'm Pastor Greg. I'm one of the uh, pastors on the staff. And um, so we want to take just a, a week while we know we're in transition uh, to start a new series next week, which I'm really excited about our new series. I hope you'll join us uh, and abide uh, these next several weeks. But, um, but I felt like the Lord put a, a message in my heart as we kind of come through 2022 you know, there's always a lot of, when you talk about 2022, when you talk about the last couple, two or three COVID years, everyone is just kind of breathes this sigh of relief when they get through a, the calendar year and they go, wow, I'm so glad we're through 2022. The problem is that a lot of what happened in 2022 may follow us into 2023. And so for a lot of people, you know, they're still thinking about political divide, they're thinking about global issues, they're thinking about brutal elections, they're thinking about the financial upheaval, they're thinking about, you know, how much gas costs and groceries cost and everything's costing more and more and more. Uh, they're watching their retirement savings accounts dwindle. It's been a tough year, I know, health-wise for a lot of people. Uh, I think I've visited more people in the hospital this last year than ever before and gone to hospice situations. Yesterday, I went to two funerals uh, to visit uh, grieving people and to grieve with them. Yesterday, I was actually, I was checking, um, believe it or not, it's hard for me to believe, my 50th high school reunion is this year, 50th high school reunion. And uh, they're trying to find out where everybody lives and where they, you know, their contact information. And just over the last several days, the just news keeps coming, this person's deceased, this person died a year ago, this person died two years ago. And it's just been a very, very sobering kind of a season, you know, for thinking about health, for thinking about travel difficulties, relational conflicts, medical procedures. And so here we are in 2023, and, and what hope do we have? We don't know if things will improve. Maybe things will be a lot better in terms of some of those areas we've talked about, but perhaps not. Perhaps those aren't going to change, and, uh, and our age continues to make it difficult to stay healthy. But there is good news. There's a promise that we're going to look at today, a promise of peace. Because we have a resource, we have a, a, a person who makes the difference in terms of experiencing a, a settled, real peace in the, in, the, in the upheavals of life. And we've just come through a Christmas season, and I want to just revisit once again our hope, this Prince of Peace, this child Jesus. So we have a little video here for you. Let's pray. 
Lord, I know I speak for, for many here um, and many who are listening online that they, we've been burdened and spent and weary through many, many difficult uh, seasons of this last few years. For some, it's, it's led to discouragement, depression, and a loss of hope, and even a desire just to withdraw. But Lord, we've just taken some time to celebrate that a child was born. Your son, Jesus, is his name. And he has power, he has wisdom, he has compassion. Thank you that he came to calm our fears and to remind us that we are invited to cast all our anxieties upon you, casting all our cares upon you because you care for us. So Prince of Peace, help us, Lord, to reset in this new year, to fix our eyes freshly even today, but in these days to come to remind one another that we have a, a certainty, a peace that surpasses all comprehension. And speak to us now through your word as we look at your truth. Help us to apply it. Help us not to just hear it. Help us not just to be familiar with it, but help us to live it and believe it and to apply it in our lives, we pray. Help me, Lord, as I communicate with your people that you love so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Our big idea from our text today, from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, is this. To experience peace, pray with a thankful heart and focus on what's true and praiseworthy. To experience peace, pray with a thankful heart and focus on what's true and praiseworthy. We have three points we're going to look at from our text. And our first point is this, to pray with thanksgiving. Look with me at these first couple verses. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Apostle Paul was writing to the Philippian church that he helped start. It was kind of his first church that he had started in the Europe, what we'd consider the European area. Um, when he started it, you know, it ended up very quickly that he was imprisoned, he was beaten. You know, it was a really kind of a rough start to the, the new church. Um, and so there's years later, and the church is actually doing pretty well and has, has been growing and uh, this letter was written several years later in 62 AD. And Paul was imprisoned at this time when he wrote this letter to the Philippian church. And he was writing them for several reasons. To you know, There's some issues they had to kind of address in the church. He, had, uh, he wanted to thank them for a financial gift that they had given to him. He wanted to tell them that uh, one of their own, Epaphroditus, who had, who had come with him, uh, they had heard that he was very sick and near death and that he was doing okay. And they also, he wanted to tell them about his own cir circumstances, that he was doing well. Um, but now he was in prison. 
And we don't know a lot about exactly which situation he was in, but it seems like this is the Rome, Rome situation. But he talks about the possibility or the po- probability of impending uh, an imminent death that he could have. But in spite of all these difficulties that were going on, all the, in spite of his imprisonment, in spite of all the things, that chaos that had been happening in his life, he writes this letter to them. And this letter actually, you know, as, as scholars have studied this letter and even compared it to literature at the time, there's more about joy in this letter than almost any other written material at that time. In spite of his circumstances, in spite of his imprisonment, in spite of the fact that he was uh, facing potential death, this text is saturated with the idea of joy, which should kind of clue us into the fact that really joy is not tied substantially to your circumstances, not real joy. So he starts off as this writing in our, in our text here. It says, do not be anxious about anything. It gives this negative command. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't just say, be joyful about everything. He says, do not be anxious about anything, he says. And how do you do that? Well, he goes on, he says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He says that there's a put on here. There's a, a way that we can not be anxious. He says it's by prayer and supplication and the request that you're making to God. These are three different terms that are used you know, for prayer. Prayer is kind of this broad sense of, of just praying. Supplication really has the idea that you've got a need and you've got to bring this need to God. God you're going to need God's help. And the requests are the specific things that you need God to do. So he says, if you're anxious, you need to pray. You need to give this request to God with your specifics. But then he adds a word, a, a phrase to it that I think most of us miss. And I, I, whenever I talk about this text, I always try to point it out. But I even watch my own prayer life and see to what degree when I'm presenting this need that I have, this desperate situation I have, this difficult situation I'm in, how often am I thanking God in the context of that, of that prayer? And I think that that's so crucial if, if our goal and our desire is not to be anxious about anything. You see, anxiety versus prayer is like fire is to water, the way you're going to put out the anxiety is your prayer. But it's not just bring your supplication to God, but pray with thanksgiving. Because when we thank God in that context, we're actually stirring our faith to see that God is big. When we start to tell God about how bad things are, and we're kind of looking horizontally at our circumstances and how impossible our situation is and how desperate we are, when we turn in that prayer time to actually thanking God, we're looking in a direction that's going to give us hope. And what that does is that reminds us of who the one that we're making this request to. This is my father I'm talking to. This is a good shepherd 
who loves me, who comes after me. This is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides for me. I'm remembering moments even now where I had other impossible situations and I thank you, God, that you came through before for me. I thank you, God, that you are not blind to the circumstances. You know all the details. You know all the motives. You know all that's going on in this situation. And I thank you that you are all-knowing. And I thank you that you are all-powerful, that this Pharaoh, this giant, this sea that needs to somehow part, you've done that. And probably if you've lived long enough as a Christian, he's done it many times for you as well. And so when you are in this, you and I are in this desperate situation, and it looks really bad, and it's been going on for a long time, pray and bring your care to him and bring your specific request to him and remember who he is. Remember what he's done and praise him for that. Thank him for that. Because God is so glorified when we see him without seeing the answer yet. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the, it's the proof that we need of things not happened yet. We haven't seen it yet. And so when we begin thanking God in our prayers, we're expressing and exercising our faith muscle to say, this is bad. I need your help. Here's how I would ask you to help me. But I know you're good and you're God and you're bigger than circumstances. But I've even stepped back another step here. It says, when you're anxious, when I'm anxious, and, I, and I'm like all of you, I need to grow in this area myself. I, f- I fall down, I fail, I forget. But I also have to look at it and say, okay, if, if you know, anxiety versus prayer is like fire versus water, am I throwing any water on this fire? <laughs> Do I pray or do I just think about the problem? When I'm, when I'm in anxious mode, you know, when I'm, all those anxieties are, are rolling around inside of my mind and I'm trying to get ahead of this situation, I'm trying to get on top of it, I'm trying to find some answers and I'm working hard because I want to be faithful to take care of my responsibilities, but I'm working away and I'm thinking about things, but did I pray or do I pray? I think we, too often, we, we, we convince ourselves that we're praying because we're thinking about it. And we may shoot up at, God, help, please. And then we go back to thinking about our problem. But the example of Scripture and the 
exhortation here is that you want to put that fire out? You should be supplicating. I should be supplicating with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Which, if you're still praying and you're still anxious, then thank God more. Think of more things. And we'll be talking about that in a few moments here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, not just to, not just to your mate, not just to your friends, not just on your social media. Let your requests be made known to God, it says. To God. Then the promise and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know, there's a peace that doesn't make any sense at all. There's, there's a fruit of the Spirit that's peace. There is a, a grace of God that isn't always determined by your actions. Sometimes, even if we're not praying, you know, somehow God's using other people's prayers. You know, I'm sure that many, many of the trials I've been carried through are because of you guys praying and not my prayers. How How could Paul talk about joy when he's in prison? How could he do that? How can you have peace when it's not peaceful around you? When everything around you looks really, really, really bad and really insufficient for your current demands and needs. The peace of God flows from the peace with God. You see, this promise of peace is really for those who belong to him. And the world doesn't have this kind of opportunity for peace because they don't know him. This isn't just a how to have peace kind of a talk, like do this, do this, and do this, and then you'll have peace. Well, there are steps here that I'm going to encourage you towards. But if you don't know the Prince of Peace, if you've never put your hope in Jesus Christ, you don't have the access to this grace that I'm talking about, this peace that surpasses all comprehension. Perhaps you've just thought that it's, it's, it's better to just Make it on your own. I, I had the privilege of being with uh, one of the women in our church um, who's been ministering to a neighbor uh, who's dying. He's 95 years old. And he was so proud of himself for all these years of how he didn't cry out to God. He wasn't weeping when he was in a, a, a war situation. And he saw these other soldiers crying out to God and weeping. And he just thought that was weakness. And he's, he's, he's days away from dying. And I said, you, you're foolish. And your pride is, is keeping you from acknowledging the reality is you are weak. You are desperate. You need, you need God. He tried to take me on all kinds of different side tangents. I kept bringing it back to, but, but what about you? What about God? And it was so exciting because by the grace of God, at the end of the conversation, we had talked for almost two hours, and I didn't have anything else to give him. 
I just challenged him. I said, you know, moments after you die, all this will be stripped away, and it'll be you and God. You're going to stand before a holy God, and you're going to tell him that you, about all these businesses you started, and how strong you were, and how, how powerful you were, and the reality is, you're going to stand before God in your sin, and you have no hope. And he said, I know. I said, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, I don't know. I said, well, how would you like me to pray for you? Because I need to go. I need to go. I don't have anything else to say to you. He said, I'd like to accept Christ. He said, I'd like to pray to receive Christ. And he did. And he's in glory. He's going to be in glory in the, probably in days from now. But the reality is, every one of us can live self-sufficiently and not pray and think that, well, we've got, this is too, this isn't a big deal. I don't need to take care, you know, I don't need to pray about this. But the reality is we're anxious and bothered about so many things. We're anxious and bothered about lights that turn red, you know. We're anxious and bothered because that person just took the last eggs in the, in the grocery store, you know. We're anxious about all kinds of things, big and little. But there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And when we experience that beyond understanding, amazing, indescribable peace, we know this is God. This is God entered this situation. Our text says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart, your mind, your soul, you know what anxiety feels like. You, need, you know what all that feels like God did not intend for us to live in that. Now, all of us are human, and all of us will feel that. What you do with that is, is you know, you have, a, you have a response that you can make to that. You have steps that God is giving us in order to, you don't have to remain anxious and bothered in that moment. But I can testify a peace that surpasses all comprehension you know, on the mission field when I've been out, and I've been in situations where there was nobody to help me. I was, I was, I could have been easily just taken advantage of or left for dead. And I felt, God, help me. I've had two heart attacks, and I've experienced a peace from God in the midst of that, in the midst of the heart attack. The EMT people are working over top of me, and they're saying, you're having a heart attack. I said, I know. You know, I, I, know, I know I am. But I'm just thinking, this is, Lord, really now? Now? But there was peace. I had a daughter who was eight or nine years old, and she had had a ruptured appendix for two, for two weeks. And the surgeon who was about ready to take her in, his face was white when he saw how long that, you know, what was going on inside of her. He said, if I'm not out in an hour, it's not good. He was in for two and a half hours before I saw his face. And when he walked out, his face was white. 
But there was a peace that surpassed all comprehension. There were, God and I had a lot of talks during that time. But mostly, I was covered. I've had, coming down to the building of this building, which we'll talk about perhaps at the end of, the, end of February again, I had a situation where we were coming down to the end, and several people said, I can't, we can't give the money we thought we could give, and so we're going to be $135,000 short with a couple few months to go. I didn't have peace at the beginning on that one. <laughs> As you know, I've lost my bride, and I have testified to you, to many of you, when I talk with you, the incredible grace and peace of God that has just filled me, which I never, ever, ever would have thought I could do. I could have that. When Wendy and I came up the last few months together, we purchased our, our plot for our, our gravesite, and we talked about, you know, one of us would probably go first, you know, and she said, you know, if you go first, I'd throw myself on, the, on that grave and I would just weep. And I just couldn't do that because I knew, in my case, that wasn't where I was. I was rejoicing. I was rejoicing. There is a peace and there is a joy that does not make sense. But it comes, it says here, it says, they'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus because it's in Christ that we experience this. The Apostle Paul could talk about a courage. He could talk about a boldness. He could talk about a changed life. He could talk about peace and joy. He had those things because he understood what it was to be in Christ. To live this life dead in Christ and resurrected in Christ. And his whole life was about, my life is about Christ. And so there's a it's not just the actions that we do that we prayed and we said some thanksgiving on, on top of, but that we understand that in Christ, this is our heritage. This is our promise. This is what God has given to you and to me. He's given you peace and joy when there should be no peace and joy in your situation. doesn't make any sense how you could have joy. It doesn't make any sense except Jesus in you. And that's how you have joy. And everyone else around you will try and talk you down off that hill. They'll say, yeah, but I know that you've got to feel really, really, really bad. And I'll say, uh, yeah. And then the Lord said, no, <laughs> you don't feel that bad. Because I'm giving you joy and peace in your loss. And that's not to take away from grieving because our Lord Jesus grieved. He wept. He understands and this isn't to try and make anyone feel who's going through difficulties that, 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 that there is no, uh, that there is not a, a condemnation on you or I'm not, trying to make a, a, I'm not trying to make a statement against you grieving in your, in your difficult situation. Please don't hear that. But I don't want to leave you with that's what your life is going to be. I, I want to point you to some promises here. I want you to see that there is a powerful resource in Jesus Christ for you and for me. So, we've talked about praying. 
with thanksgiving. And then he moves on. We usually, a lot of times I'll stop when I talk about, you know, uh, anxiety. I'll, I'll stop after verse 8, you know, peace, peace of, of God which surpasses all comprehension. will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And I usually don't go further than that. But, you know, the text continues, actually. It goes on, and, and, and our second point here is to focus your thoughts. And I think he's actually, you were going to see, he's going to amplify some things he just said. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So this word finally here, you might think, well, he's, he's heading toward the end of the book, so he's, kinda, he's got a different thought. But actually, the commentators think it, this finally really connects to what we just talked about, about not being anxious about the peace of Christ. And so this word finally has the idea, it follows then, or to give more specifics about what I just told you to do about praying with thanksgiving. So he's saying finally, or here's some more specifics for you. Finally, brothers, what is, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we've, we've, we've touched into some of these things, but when you're going through difficulties, when you're, when you're in the midst of these ugly circumstances, you need to start thinking about something else other than how bad it is and how bad it's going to get. You need to stop feeding your mind with things that are just going to destroy your faith or just tear down your faith. It's kind of like, you know, when, the, when the, these leaders went in to scout out the land and they came back and two had a good report and the rest of the other ten had a bad report. They just told it's not going to work because this is all the, the obstacles we're going to have to face. And many of us, when we're going through our difficulties or considering our fears and trials, we're trying to prepare ourselves for every bad thing that's probably going to happen. And we're going to focus our minds on just how bad this could get. And how do I, how do I protect myself from that? How do I shield myself from that? And in Matthew, Jesus says, look, don't live that way. Today has enough troubles of its own. Don't be worried about all those things that could happen. You think about now and look for me to help you with these trials today and watch how I care for you in this situation. Now, again, I'm not saying don't be responsible. I'm not saying that. But many of us are really putting our mind in the wrong place. And our faith is really destroyed or helped by what you camp on, what you muse over, what you meditate on, what you fabricate, what you hear all these bad testimonies, what you fill your mind with all the things on the social media of just how bad things are and how bad it's going to get and what's going to happen to my money and what's going to happen to the weather and what's going to happen to society and what's going to happen with politics. And we just let our minds just be engrossed in those things. And that'll make you anxious, by the way. That, that'll fill you with a lot of anxiety because God didn't give you any grace for that stuff. He's given you grace for today. He gives you your daily bread. He gives you your grace for this moment. 
And so the call here is to take your thoughts captive. You know, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, he talked about that. He says, look, there's a warfare out there, you know. There's a battle for your soul. Even if you're a Christian, there's a battle for you. And you're going to get all kinds of fearful thoughts. You're going to get all kinds of lies. You're going to get all, a lot of people talking to you. You're going to get all these things. And you know what you need to do? You need to, you need to evaluate that. Is this something I need to hear? Is this true? Is this honorable? Is this just? Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is this commendable? Is something I should be camping on and thinking about this? Because when you let your mind hold on to those things and live in that, your soul is paying the price for those things. Your spirit is being beat down in that situation. And the scripture says you take those thoughts and you take them captive. Now, that's, that's discipline. That's, that's not easy. And so that's not something that you, oh, okay, I'll take, take all my thoughts captive. You know? That's not going to happen overnight necessarily. But that's the direction we want to go. We want to take our thoughts captive. We, we don't let our minds, we don't fuel our thoughts with things that aren't true. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. He wouldn't let this happen to me if he, if he loved me. You know, the scripture addresses that in lots of ways, lots of ways. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? How do we know the love of God? We see a cross. We see a son dying on a cross for our sins. You and I will not understand why God allows what he allows and what he doesn't allow, you know. Some of his answers to us is yes. Some of the times he rescues you. Some of the times he says, not this time or not right now. Whatever's true, true about God. I, I think, you know, if, if you need to start, I don't know if you journal. I, I've journaled on and off through most of my Christian life. And my journals are not pretty and they're not, I, I, I just get one of those, you know, cheapo, you know, spiral notebooks. And I just write in there. I just get my thoughts down on paper. And I'm not trying to show it to anybody. I hope nobody ever finds them after I'm dead. But, you know, <laughs> my kids have some of my, my wife's. So I've, I've had mixed thoughts about that. But I just, it, it, helps, it helps you to, to focus your thoughts. What's going on in my soul? What's going on in my mind? And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to make it formal looking or anything. Just, just, just start writing. And don't pick up your pen to you. Just put it all down there. And then go back and look at it and say, is there a lie here? Is, there, is, there, is it what I've just thought about God? Is that backed up by anything in Scripture? Or am I, am I believing something that's foolish? And for some of us, you know, you've been, in, you've been in this whirlwind of the same anxious thought for long periods of time. So if you don't think you have time to think about what God says about that, then you're really, you're really fooled because you're spending more time 
anxious about something that God already spoke to in his word about himself or about what he thinks about you. And so if you and I would take the time and let God show us what his heart is from his word, which is true, then your fears will be calmed. And you have some, you'll have, you'll have a weapon against the lie that comes at you. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. You know, so much of what, what's out there now is trash. It's really trash. It, it, you know, through COVID, I started watching things like, like where, you know, I ran out of current stuff. So I went back to stuff that I grew up on, you know, Little House in the Prairie, and all those things. And it's funny because I listen to this thing and think, these people have good counsel. I mean, they're really vo- focusing on what's lovely and pure. And they're not avoiding topics, but they, but they bring simple, wise truth to the situations. And when you and I, you know, choose for the sake of openness or whatever, the top, real, staying current with everybody, we let ourselves get defiled with everything else that the world thinks, it's really not good for you. It's not good for your faith. It's not good for your soul. I'm not saying that to be legalistic. I'm just saying it's, you know, that's, those are the, this is what is influencing your thoughts. So he says, look, I want you, finally, I want you to think about what's true. I want you to think about what's honorable. I want you to think about what's just, what's pure, what's really worthy of being loved, what's lovely. Something that's commendable. If somebody walks in the room and sees what you're watching and you, you feel like you need to turn off the TV or turn off your you know, your phone or turn off, you know, your pad, iPad. You know, if you think I can't, I, they shouldn't see this, then, then should you see that? Whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It doesn't always have to be like Bible verses or Christian materials or things like that. I mean, I, I watched two really good football games. I didn't get to see the whole games. But I watched two good football games, and I watched, I watched a determined group of men fighting it out for something that they really wanted. And I thought, why don't we fight like that? Why don't we give ourselves like that to eternal things? You know? I go to Longwood, and I see the, the majesty of creators who take what God made and make it amazing to look at. And you just walk through in awe. I'm thinking, I need to think about that because this tells me a little bit about what heaven might be like when we get there and we get to take where we're at and keep going with it. And so you can find common grace and values and things that will, will serve your soul and will serve your mind and will help you be strong that are not just Bible verses, but they probably apply or they're good examples just like the Apostle Paul would talk about a hardworking farmer or a soldier. And he said, this is what I'm talking about. Work like this. Fight like this. That's what he did. So there's a place for those things. But what are we filling our minds with? This is the best option of the movies for this season, so I guess we should see this one as a family. Maybe. Maybe. If there's anything that's commendable about it, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things, it says. 
Think about these things. And then he says, pray without ceasing, focus your thoughts, and thirdly, in our sex section here, it says, practice the Apostle Paul's example. Verse 9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So he says, what you've learned and you received. So we as Christians here in the United States, we, we learn a lot, or we can learn a lot. There's just, you could never begin to stay on top of all the good resources out there. There are so many good materials out there. We, we, we give you, you know, write down media, and you can have 30,000 teachings, Bible studies. Go for it. What you've heard, he says, what you've learned and what you've received. And so it's not just about listening, because somehow we, we, we as Christians get this deception that somehow if we hear something, that it, it, it benefited us. And it could benefit us. But the question is, did you receive it? Did you say, yes, I, I, I believe that. That's true. I, I've heard that, and I, uh, that's mine. I'm gonna, I, I received that. And he takes it to another level. He says, what you've heard me say and what you've seen in me. In this case, it was the Apostle Paul. Paul could just point to his own life. Look, if you saw something in me, Unless I confessed it to you and told you, don't do that. That was a bad example there. That's part of how we grow. The Apostle Paul, many times throughout the Scripture, says, imitate me the way I'm imitating Christ. Find people around you in whatever particular area you're needing to grow in and listen to them. Receive what they say. Watch what they're doing. Watch what they don't do. You might think, well, why Paul? Paul, Paul, why, why you, buddy? You know, you're telling everybody to follow you. And he's not, he's not proud. He just understood that, that God, in his, in his kindness to us said, I'm going to take the biggest sinner, I'm going to take the biggest person who opposed me the most, and I'm going to make him into an example for the church. And I'm going to let you see a lot about his life. I'm going to let you hear his heart. I'm going to see, let you watch his motives. And I'm going to record all that because, because I'm going to raise him up to show you what a person can be who's not the son of God. And so you might think, well, well, yeah, Paul, but you, you know, you are a spiritual guy, you know, you're an apostle, you know. But I want you to talk, uh, let's just think of this context of, of joy, but let's specifically peace. Let's, let's consider his life, his hardship. Second Corinthians chapter 11, he goes through, he says, he said, he later on says, this is foolish, I'm doing this, but he did give it to us so we can have it. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at the sea, 
danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, and often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all these things, there's a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So we got a little picture for you. Has that guy got peace? That guy got joy? If, if he can have peace and joy, then, then our life... Our life can have peace and joy as well. Beatings, stones, enemies, relationship issues, pressures from his job, pressures from his responsibilities, cold exposure, hardship, sleeplessness, all those things, all those things that would feel, make us feel justified to be anxious or bothered. But Paul was not, was not camping there, was not saying, okay, but that's, you know, I understand that you're not going to be anxious in these situations. He doesn't, he doesn't say that. He says, you know, be anxious for nothing. Now, again, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm there, but I'm just saying that this is, this is our, this is where we're directed. And it's not that he, he, he didn't say anything about it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 to 10, he says three times he's talking about one of his, one of his problems he had. You know, some think it might be his eye, an eye issue that he had, um, that he just was, his eyes were running. And, you know, he's talked about in one of the epistles that, you know, they, they would have plucked their eyes out for him if they could. You know, so some think it might have been that. Some might think it's other, something else. But he says three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's backtrack a little bit. We talked about prayer. We talked about being thankful and giving our supplications to God. But if we were to back it up and, and think about prayer in the sense of how did Jesus teach his disciples how to pray? He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His higher, his higher priority was not his grades, his house his health, his supply, his, his highest, you know, if we're really to think about well, what's Paul's life and how did he get where he got, he had already kind of moved on. He had already shifted to being more concerned in his life about, not about his comfort, but about God's kingdom. And I think that's where we run into a lot of problems in our anxieties. Because our, our kingdom runs into his kingdom. <laughs> our agenda runs into his agenda. And when we're not getting what we think we deserve or what we should have or what God, if he loves us, gave us, you know, we, we kind of get kind of frustrated or confused. Like, God, do you really love me? But that's not, that's not what the Apostle Paul was thinking about. He 
so, so he's talking with this Lord that loves him, and he says, Lord, please take this away. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you because I have another plan here. My power is made perfect when you're weak. So I'm actually, my plan for you is to keep you weak. I don't like that plan. I understand that. I don't like that plan. But he said, he goes on from there, he said, so I've gotten to the place now where I'm going to boast in my weakness so that God's power rests on me. And so the result of that is I'm content with weakness. So contentment kind of works into this whole factoring of why we're not, why we're anxious still. Because we don't like his plan for us, perhaps. Now, that doesn't mean he's taken away from you. Because Paul said, you know, that I, I, don't, I don't even consider comparing these things, these, these momentary light afflictions to the, the glory that's gonna, we're going to receive, that's going to be received in heaven. Because our, our problem is not, is not that we don't see the problems going on or God doesn't see the problems going on. He just, he's comparing. He said, look, I know that this is hard for you, and I'm going to give you grace for this. But what you're going to exchange for that is, is so much better and so much more. It doesn't, it, I can't even compare it how, how much better it's going to be. And that, that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. And that probably is where we're, most of us can be struggling at. Am I content with being weak? Do I, am I grounded enough in knowing who my Savior is, my Lord is, my Father, my Shepherd, that I'm, I'm, I, I don't believe that he's good? Um, some of you know that you know, my wife passed, and there was ama- amazing grace on me from the very beginning. But at our one-year anniversary that we usually go away together, I went away to spend time just reflecting on, on her life and the impact she had had on my life and just thanking God and appreciating that. But I, I wanted to wrestle with God on, Lord, you say that your will is good, acceptable, and perfect. So are you telling me that it was good that Wendy died? And it's acceptable. I should accept that. And in fact, I should agree with you that that's the perfect way. That's perfect. And so I found Bible verses. I found truth. I, I went to the Bible to find verses that told me things like, hey, being single is actually better for you. If I give you that gift for this season, it's actually better for you. The Apostle Paul said, hey, to live as, to live as Christ, to die as gain, if I have the choice, I'd rather go to heaven. So why would I not want what she was longing for? And so I had to take my anxious thoughts, my frustrations, my questions, and I needed to go back. What is true? What's commendable? What's lovely? What's, what, what honors God? And let God be God. Because he bought her. He made her and then he bought her. So I needed to agree with him on that. I'm her husband. Yeah, but I made her. But you gave her to me. Yeah, and I get to decide how long she's here because nobody's going to add to your life length. 
That's already been set. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is practice, brothers and sisters. You know, January 1st, 2023, New Year's resolutions. Some of us are going to make some resolutions, and we're going to fail. What do you do when you fail? Are you done? When you, when you want to be good at something, when you want to be good in your sport or your disciplines of your, of your studies and things like that, if you failed, did you give up and did you stop? Or did you say, no, that was important that I, I pursued that. I made some progress. I can do better. So this life is about practice. We're not going to get there fully. But we will benefit from whatever effort we put into this. Whatever effort we make to live not with anxiety controlling our lives, but prayerful people, prayerful people who see God, thank God, worship God, trust in God, who meditate on the things that are good, who focus their hearts and minds. Yeah, we won't finish this in this life, but to the degree that we present ourselves to God and, to pres- and, and in Christ because of his power in us, the Apostle Paul was saying, you know, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it's God who's at work in you to will, to give you the desire to do this and the power to do this. This is your inheritance if you're a Christian. There's power in you to give you the desire to be like this and the power to keep going and to get back up when you fail. Paul said in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who think of us who think who are mature think this way. Let those of us who are mature think this way. I'm not perfect. I'm going to press towards this. I'm not going to look backwards. I'm going to strain forward and keep going. That's what he says. This is, if we're learning from Paul, this is what he does. Philippians 4, 9, what what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. This is his name. The God of peace is going to be with you in this endeavor. No matter what the circumstances are, the God of peace will be with you. He gave his own case study in Philippians 1.12. For the sake of time, I won't go through too much of that, but he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of it, my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord in my imprisonment, are much more bold to, to speak the, Lord, the word without fear. He said, my circumstances look bad, God was in that. God had a purpose in that. Rather than being bothered and anxious about it, look what God's done because he left me in that situation. Philippians 1.18, yes, and I will rejoice. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, 
but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is game. Worship team, would you come? Philippians 1, 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of, of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Because we have this Savior, because we have this powerful God, because we have this loving Father, because we have his power, because we know he's wise, it doesn't matter what our life, what's thrown at us, really. If we can keep our, if we can keep our minds, if we keep our focus, not frightened by your opponents. So our big idea, to experience peace, pray with a thankful heart and focus on what's true and praiseworthy. Let's pray. Lord, these are, these are impossible things. We, we know our frame. We know that we're just weak and we're dust. But just like you said to, to the apostle, my grace is sufficient for you. Just because you also told us that God is in us. God, you are in us. To will and to work for your good pleasure. To give us the desire to, to live this life. Lord, I trust that there's a, there's a fire inside some of us today that says, yes, yes, my life is worth more. My life has been prepared for more than just getting through these trials and these difficulties. Just delivering us is not all that you made us here for. So give us the desire, Lord. Fan the flame inside of us. Help us to see how desperately we need you. Lord, it, it may start off as baby steps. Teach us to pray. When we feel anxious, teach us to, to pray with thanksgiving. Lord, help us to start where we're at. Maybe we just need to journal some thoughts and some of our fears again. Maybe we need to look for a few verses. Maybe we need to ask for some friends that come alongside us. Help us to find truth to address our fears. Lord, Bring application for each one of us. Help us, Lord, this year that we would even take just a, an incremental step more towards knowing you and living in you, experiencing your power and grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.